podcast uh your host jason my lovely co-host jennifer my wife is not here with me today so you're gonna be running solo with me i kind of like these solo episodes really um straight up they're kind of nice to do because i don't have to juggle jen's schedule and we don't record in the middle of the night and stuff like that but um yeah i've been doing these solo episodes to kind of do some shorter episodes uh we'll do miss jen's uh thoughts on some of these things but you know she balances out my nonsense sometimes but uh we're gonna run with this because um kind of got a whole list of things that i think be cool to uh share and talk about and if uh i won't go to the whole spiel about what this this podcast is all about but um you can kind of catch up on some of the descriptions but um we kind of started this segment uh we want to go forward with uh every recording like really have a segment of uh, highlighting businesses and highlighting uh, friends that are are building businesses because through this whole journey of financial literacy and financial empowerment and financial freedom really you know you kind of learn to appreciate small businesses and how how freaking hard it is to kind of create your own business but uh, you know even though we don't have a business per se yet uh, we're learning a lot more about them because you know we invest in large businesses why not try to highlight some small businesses? Because big businesses were small businesses at some point. So, but we want to be able to clap and cheer for our friends uh, that have businesses. So, that's the ultimate way to kind of show your love to to your friends that uh, got shot, right? So, they have a shop, they have something, go support them, cheer them, pay full price. That's the whole thing. But anyways, um, today's uh, today's quote unquote sponsor. A really business highlight. Uh, I'm gonna come up with a catchy name. So if you have an idea, give me a shoot me a link, shoot me a DM, and um. But uh, today's gonna be uh, Portraits on White POW, Portraits on White by Claudia Hung and her team. Uh, essentially, the the staple, the go-to of black and white photo booth photography for your special event, any venue, weddings. Uh, but mitzvahs, anything you can think of, all right? They are your go-to photo booth. Classy, timeless, black and white. It's really almost like a photo gallery, if you ask me. A photo gallery of your most precious moments during that special event. Outside of, obviously, the main photographer. But, uh, yeah, cool. Check them out. Uh, Portraits on White. You can Google them. Uh, all that social media stuff. We'll post it in the description, but... Um, you know, today, uh, I was thinking about, you know, the, just reading a bunch of headlines and, you know, over the last several months, ever since the, uh, Bank of Canada and obviously in tandem with the, uh, Federal Reserve in the States, you know, the central bank in, uh, the States been raising interest rates. It's, it's been what, like five consecutive interest rate increases and it's the most aggressive interest rate increases in 40 years that's the stat reads right but even though the level of the interest rate isn't as high as it used to be in the 80s 
it's been the most aggressive increase. And it got me thinking about like the whole thing about borrowing money to invest. And I've heard this a few times, people asking about like, you know, should I borrow to invest? And it's really common thing to, 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 to ask because a lot of times, well, you might not have any of your own money. And I was thinking about, okay, well, how do I frame this? Because really, if you are a homeowner, like you own a primary residence, right? Whether it's a condo, uh, detached home, semi, whatever it is, right? A dwelling. You are actually borrowing money for your own personal investment, right? And I know we won't get into the weeds of like the whole primary residence of being an investment. It, I mean, it is and it isn't, but for the argument's sake, you kind of are borrowing, right? And that's kind of the big, most amount of money you'll ever borrow in your life, uh, typically. And we get into this topic of, okay, should I borrow to just invest generally? And there's a few ways to answer this. And I'm going to try to explore some different different avenues here. So kind of run with me here, right? Let's try to paint a picture. So the biggest thing I, I, I get the reason why people want to borrow is because at some point, you know, a few years ago, if anything, the last 10 years, money was super cheap. And if you looked at it, borrowing money from someone else is always easier than using your own money. I don't know what it is. It's got to be a psychological thing, right? You don't want you don't want to spend your own money. You rather spend someone else's money. Now, ten over the past ten years, a lot of people have been borrowing, whether it's buying primary homes and buying investment properties, things like that. People borrowed a significant amount of money because money was very cheap to service, right? The debt itself was very cheap. So when you're looking at 2%, 3%, sub 3%, under 4%, that's really cheap overall. Because if we compare it to a return on investment of typically, let's, you know, the stock market index is 7%, right? Over a long period of time, you'd be making money on that spread. But then it gets into a point where it gets tricky when the interest rates start rising and you're like, hmm... Does it make sense to borrow now? And the answer can be yes and no at the same time. So let's go, let's go keep going. So borrowing to invest is always something that you have to kind of navigate between the risk and the reward. Uh, using leverage appropriately is really how wealthy people get ahead, right? We, it's not us, we, sorry. Uh, manifestation guys manifestation um, wealthy people will leverage money leverage debt appropriately to buy assets that can service the debt okay whereas m a majority of the working class um, that aren't don't have the financial literacy will borrow to buy liabilities right to service their their lifestyle. So cars, boats, cottages that don't return any income, but more of a lifestyle, right? Uh, vacations is a very popular one that I, I read about. And it's very common to incur these debts because you're borrowing the money, whether through credit card or whether through it's a line of credit, a bookie, whoever, whatever you, whatever you, whatever you borrow your money from. Um, 
and you're unable to service that debt, right? Because you don't have an asset attached to it. So when I look at borrowing to invest, I always say, first of all, you have to understand what are you going to invest in first, okay? Because the answer is not always dry cut of saying yeah or no. Um, if you were to ask baby boomers, it would be like, oh, hell no, don't do that, right? Like, that is bad. And what we know and what I'm trying to hopefully empower everyone else is to understand that not all debt is bad. That is actually, that can be good, right? Serviceable debt that's tied to an asset that pays you a monthly monthly income, that is good debt, right? Now, if I'm borrowing, I need to understand, okay, first of all, what's my time horizon here? Because borrowing in the short term can be very volatile because the market, whether it's real estate, stocks, crypto, and even gold, even, even cards and shoes, if you were to, let's say, invest or Rolexes, those things can fluctuate very, very uh, wildly within a short period of time. So if I'm talking like on less than five years, like that, the swings can be pretty big, right? And you could see over the last, uh, like over the last three years, four years since CVID, what's happened? You've had mad swings. But if I'm looking to leverage and borrow money for a longer horizon, then I might look at it a bit differently. And it comes down to essentially the math formula, right? For all y'all that don't like math, math is good, okay? And math can be very easy because we're talking about very basic math. And we will try to explain it as best. I will try to explain it as best as possible because my math isn't the best. Even though I graduated engineering, believe me, my math was not very good. That's why they have calculators. So if I'm looking at it over a long period of term, then... I know that I can potentially ride out some of those volatile, volatile, the volatility of a short-term investment, because over the long term, the r appropriate asset that I'm investing in should appreciate over time, especially hard assets, because of the way assets hold value and gain value through the supply and demand of these products. Housing, we're not getting less housing, we're getting, there's not more housing, we have less and less housing and more and more people. And over time, companies grow in value, right? Until there's some big thing that happens in this world where companies just can't grow anymore because people aren't buying, then that's a big problem. But companies will always continue to grow, right? We're all, no company was going to stay small. I always want to get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just like your bank account. You want your bank account to get bigger and bigger and bigger, just like your business. Um, so in that sense, I think over the long term, if you leverage money and borrow money appropriately, it could be to your advantage. And let me give you an example. So... A lot of the times, if you think about how you bought your first house or your 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 primary residence, you took some cash, right? Because you need some of your own cash. But most of it, 80% of that value of the home was borrowed, right, from the bank. And you borrowed against the value of the home. So the bank basically arbitrary, 
arbitrarily says, hey, you know what? We think it's worth a million dollars. You come up with 200,000, we're gonna give you 800K. And that's how your mortgage is set up. And that's how leverage works. Essentially, you are borrowing against a value that's uh, set by some entity. And over the long term, you don't have a tenant that's paying that debt off. You are servicing that debt, right? And we think that generally that's okay because you are paying there to live, right? Whether it's rent or not. And let's not talk about tax benefits and things like that. But you're servicing the debt. So as long as you have income coming in through your job, through your business or whatever, you're able to service that debt. Now, let's take that aside, right? And if you are now borrowing strictly to try to obtain a return of cash flow, that becomes tricky now because you need to have an investment that is consistently providing you with income and reliably providing you with cash flow. And that's the key thing is that a lot of investments, A, will may be consistent, but it may not be reliable, or it may be reliable, but may not be consistent, okay, over the short term. And real estate is a perfect example of that. Real estate over the short term can be reliable, but sometimes it's inconsistent because of the ebbs and flows of vacancies of non-paying tenants, etc. Um, it can be consistent when you have good tenants and a good neighborhood, good product, but it can be unreliable because you have economic issues like interest rates, if you're on variable rates, or you have repairs, right? That need to happen and big capital expenditures that need to be paid. Shit, that root, that, le that roof is leaky. Hmm. Got to fix that. That's a couple G's right there. Furnace blown out, couple G's right there. So the whole concept of leveraging to borrow for the short term to give you cash flow is very tricky. So what I would say is if you're looking for short term returns, then be mindful that the whatever product, whatever thing that you're investing in is going to be consistent and reliable in the short term. And that's a very tough thing to do. Even trading can be tough, right? Trading stocks. Unless you're absolutely really, really good, you've been doing it for years, you can be consistent. Reliable is something different. However, right, that's that's the thing to think about. So over the long term, if I'm riding through many cycles of a stock market upturn, downturn, I'm I'm gonna be okay. But remember, you can't eat stocks, right? I can't pull out I'm not being I'm not getting paid a monthly dividend unless you're getting dividend stocks. I'm not getting any of that monthly income in a form to use. So that's just something to be mindful that I'm borrowing but I'm not necessarily getting it back right away to be able to use. So if you can extend your horizon and say, "Hey, I'm okay with the payout down the road." That's where you have larger benefits and upside. Now, um a thing about in terms of how you borrow, there's a lot of ways you can borrow, right? Essentially, when you borrow and you lever you're leveraging money, you're taking the money from somewhere that has value. So for instance, if you've ever gone and got your house appraised or you're buying a home, etc., right? There's a value attached to it. 
And if you've opened the loan or you have a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit, they will, the banks will value that loan and tie it to an asset, typically, unless it's an unsecured loan, right? An unsecured loan is like your credit card, uh, just a regular loan from the bank. And those interest rates are astronomical. They're like ridiculous. Those are really, really temporary, short term, like a few months measures, right? And when you're when you're borrowing, you're going to be borrowing to something, right? And just keep in mind that if I think advantageous ways to borrow are against things that have value. So a lot of people have been leveraging HELOCs and typically, you know, you will leverage uh, up to eight. The banks will give you up to 80 percent loan to value, which means, again, let's give you an example of how a HELOC works. You have a million dollar home and let's say it's paid off, right? Your mortgage is paid off. So it, there's zero dollars in your mortgage payment and the house is valued at a million dollars. The bank theoretically can come and be like, hey, check it out. We like you. You got no debt. And we're going to give you some we're going to give you a HELOC. We'll give you 80 percent of the value because the bank's got to be careful, right? They're not going to take on full value and say, hey, I'm going to give you all this money for free. They want you to have some skin in the game, right? So it's only 80%. But in theory, you will get 800K to play with. And I say play with, you know, I'm being facetious here, right? So like you got 800K to work with. And keep in mind that 800K now for whatever interest rate, you need to do some math and calculate to say, okay, well, if I'm, if I'm paying 6% to borrow the money, and I need to find something that pays me greater than 6%, right? Seven works, eight better, nine, 10, double. Those are even better because of the fact that there's margin, right? You want to put margin in on what you borrow. Because if I'm just borrowing to make a percent, I'm taking a lot of risk in fluctuations with um, uh, the interest rates and things happening, valuations. But again, depends on what you're investing in. Over the long term, I think from an asset class, I would use real estate as that avenue, okay? But this is not advice. This is just my personal experience, my personal experience. Because on top of leveraging that, you are also leveraging tax benefits, right? There's a lot of things I can write off now from owning a rental property through leverage. I've used one house to buy another house and it's, it's literally this is literally the monopoly effect right and if you play monopoly read the rules is that you never use your own money you use the bank's money so you're taking something that the bank technically owns you're borrowing against it and you're buying something that will pay down and service that debt right remember as long as i can service the debt and have that asset paid off over the long term that is a great form of leverage Okay. And that's where it makes sense to borrow, to invest. But if I cannot service that debt appropriately and I don't get a return either through cash flow or through long-term equity pay down of some sort or appreciation, it'll never make sense. Okay. Never. And you should never do that. Um, another cool thing, I won't get too deep into this, uh, but is you can leverage your savings accounts like you can leverage registered funds 
to borrow a to borrow and invest that into other asset classes. So I'll give you an example here. You know, there's a common thing where we will, you know, if you have your RRSPs, your TFSAs, that's all you can do, right? You just put it into the TFSA or the RRSP, buy index funds, buy stocks, godforsaken mutual funds or GICs, and that's it. But outside of that, there is ways to leverage the money that you have been accumulating in these accounts through your employer, through your own contribution, and put it to something that potentially has greater upside and also taxation benefits, right? And that's real estate. So I know this is kind of really pro real estate on this one, but it's the easiest example to give you in terms of how to leverage, like, do I borrow money to invest? And there's really only a few things I would ever borrow money to invest, right? Borrowing to invest in stocks, it's okay. I mean, in the right conditions, I think if you have another swan event where prices of amazing companies go to rock bottom and I don't know what the rock bottom means for Apple or for whatever, right? Microsoft. All I know is that when things are extremely heavily discounted and people are not buying anything, that might be a good time to enter. However, you have to take it. You have to understand the amount of risk and downside you're using to invest in stock market because the stock market in short term is extremely volatile. You could lose your value of 50% in a short period of time most likely not going to lose 50% of my house value in that short of a time. Okay. Most likely. Anyways, um, that's kind of it. So try to keep it short, 20 minutes. Um, so should you, in, should you leverage and borrow money to invest? The answer is depends. It really depends on your time horizon. It really depends on your goals. It really depends on why you want to do it. Like what, what are you trying to do it for? And what are you going to invest in? So understanding those things first, at least will kind of give you a starting point. And then you can start looking into, okay, does the math work, right? When it comes down to it, investing is all about math. If the math doesn't work, then sometimes it doesn't make sense, right? Because no matter how much a deal uh, looks good, if it doesn't, if the math doesn't work, right? Don't try to fudge it so it works. Bottom line, like, this is how businesses get in trouble. Businesses try to fudge their uh, balance sheets. And guess what happens? You got bigger issues within the company, right? Because they want to they wanna try to make it work so they profit from something. But that doesn't go to say you can't be creative with the deals that you make, right? In real estate or whatever, in businesses and things like that. So um, anyways, um, oh, another thing, sidebar here. Something that I just thought of, but I don't know. Uh, you can think about it if it makes sense for you. Is to leverage, is to borrow, to invest in yourself. First and foremost, invest in yourself, right? So we take student loans all all the time. It's always encouraged to take student loans, OSAP, these things. And people, kids come out these days with like 50 grand of student loan debt. And that's perfectly normal. But once you graduate, you're just like, what the hell? Why did I take on all this debt when it's going to take me forever to pay back? But I think in this day and age, in modern technology learning era, you can you can borrow $500, you can borrow $1,000, you can borrow five grand and invest into a skill set that could pay that back very quick. 
So that's something I would think about first before dropping a lot of money into some sort of larger uh, asset or investment. All right, cool. Um, anyways, if you enjoyed it, give me a thumbs up. Um, like it, share it. Uh, we want to spread financial literacy across all the millennials here, people that look like me, people that look like you. And hopefully these living room conversations about money and these cultural differences that you have kind of grown up with get shared because really when it comes down to it, your everyday rich is empowering you to put all the pieces together so that you can, you can live your everyday rich, right? So, um, help us by liking it, help us by sharing it. And I appreciate everyone's support. All right. Till next one. Peace. Your Everyday Rich podcast is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. Any such information or other material should not be construed as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a qualified professional.